a gun in the face. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. Started two years of horror for an American in Venezuela. They said, you need to give us your phone and get ready because you're coming with us. I'm Becky Bruce, and I spent a year researching and piecing together Josh and Tammy Holt's story about their ordeal in a notorious prison. That's when everything started to turn bad. We had another pound on the door. Boom, boom, boom. And there was the police once again. You can binge all of the episodes of Hope in Darkness on kslpodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Inside Sources. Welcome back, everyone. I'm not sure who said it, but somebody said the revolution will be improvised, uh, as will the radio show today. (laughs) If you're just tuning in and we're expecting to hear my interview with uh, Senator Tim Scott from South Carolina, uh, we're we're pushing that just ever so slightly. It'll be at uh, 2.05, 2.05, just after the top of the hour news. We'll have Senator Tim Scott, uh, rising star on the national platform, uh, joining us. He's here in the state of Utah today doing a number of events, and he's at an event right now that's uh, just winding down. He is uh, ever popular, and I'm sure there are a few photos being uh, snapped as he's trying to exit the room after uh, delivering a speech today. Uh, but we're really looking forward to this conversation uh, with Senator Scott. He's done so many things uh, in his uh, time in the United States Senate. Remember, he was in the House uh, and then uh, in a special election when uh, Nikki Haley uh left the Senate uh, to uh, to work at the U.N., uh, to be the ambassador to the U.N. Uh, he won in an election there and joined the Senate in 2013. And he just has an extraordinary uh, story uh, growing up in North Charleston, South Carolina. And uh, we'll dive into a little bit of that. But he has this uh, amazing focus on how do we create upward mobility and opportunity for everyone? What's the proper role of government? How do you balance that out? How do you have the right pieces in place to help people, uh, as we were talking to Scott Winship earlier from AEI, uh, how do you help people connect to the value of work and the benefits of work? And we've we've become disconnected from that a little bit, and and uh, he's going to help us uh, talk through what that means. We'll talk about big national politics. His name, of course, is always uh, among those uh, rumored to be running for president in 2024. And so he is uh, going to be joining us uh right here at 205. So uh, stay with us on that. But let's go back a little bit to uh, where we are in terms of all these bills. Remember, remember, we've been working on these things since really since January, since the the, uh, president was sworn into office. We've been talking about infrastructure deals. We've been talking about social safety net deals. We've been talking about reconciliation deals. Uh, and trillions of trillions and trillions of dollars of spending uh, going from six and a half trillion to four and a half trillion to three and a half trillion. Now, now we have a one point two trillion dollar bipartisan hard infrastructure, roads, bridges, kind of traditional infrastructure is probably how we should frame that. And then we have this secondary bill, again, usually referred to as a reconciliation bill. Some have started calling it the social programs bill. And it had been sitting with a price tag of about three point five trillion for quite some time. Uh, and the Democrats blew through an, a number of different uh, self-imposed deadlines in terms of getting that done. Uh, and then yesterday, yesterday, the president announced a new framework, uh, not all the text, just a framework in, in terms of a new agreement. And 
he pleaded with members of Congress. Uh, he went to the Capitol building before he left for Rome to make appeal and an and a plea uh, to the members of the of the House that they needed to get on board with this and get these things passed. He wanted them passed before he left the country. Uh, that didn't happen. Of course, the president also gave a speech to the nation, uh, reiterating a lot of the uh, similar talking points in terms of what that package would be and what it would do. And despite all of that, the progressive wing of the Democratic Party says, no, we're not we're not going to do that. Uh, we feel like our priorities aren't being heard now. And so they balked at that. Uh, Speaker Nancy Pelosi, of course, wanted to have a vote yesterday afternoon, but she never has a vote if she doesn't know she has the votes, uh, which is very smart, very strategic. Uh, and it just never came about. And so it's been pushed off. And uh, many thought maybe today would be the day it's been pushed off again. So earliest would be early next week. But I want to go through some of the conversations uh, that came afterwards and where this really puts all of us. And I'm just going to remind you now, and I'll remind you again before we wrap up this segment, we are 35 days, 35 days total away from December 3rd, which is when we will hit the debt ceiling again and when the government will no longer be funded again. And so we have a threat of a default on the debt and a government shutdown. Now, I'm not doing that to be any kind of fear mongerer uh, because we go down this path and we go over it and we predicted this. We told you this is what was going to happen. And so if you look at that, 35 days, if you take out the Thanksgiving week and the weekends, which is rare for Congress to work on a weekend, so you, there's really only about 15 working days to the next cataclysmic crisis, catastrophe, and cliff. And yet, nobody's talking about that. So what are they talking about? Well, uh, as President Biden left and as meetings started to take place, the chair of the House Progressive Caucus, uh, Representative Jayapal, said that President Biden didn't even ask them uh, to vote for the bipartisan infrastructure bill, uh, which basically undermined everything that uh, Speaker Pelosi had said. What he said is that he wants votes on both bills and that this next week is going to be very consequential. He did not actually uh, ask for a vote on the bipartisan infrastructure bill. I know that is something the speaker wanted. I have signaled for days that we simply did not have the votes for the bipartisan bill without the other bill, the Build Back Better Act, which has 85 percent of the president's agenda. So really fascinating that that's uh, where they ended up. So now they're even debating what the president said and didn't say in their meeting. Uh, Representative Jayapal saying, yeah, he didn't really say we needed to vote right away. He said we needed to vote sometime on both of these bills. Again, big undermining of Speaker Nancy Pelosi and her sway and SWAT uh, with the members of her caucus. Uh, she's told her members, uh, don't embarrass the president on this. Uh, and yet... Uh, this liberal caucus, the progressive caucus inside of the Democratic caucus uh, in the United States House, uh, has really been pushing back on a number of things. Uh, Representative Ocasio-Cortez has been calling for the bill text uh, for a long time. And uh, here's what she was saying after the president announced it as an historic framework of a deal. We've had frameworks for six months, and we've seen how much those frameworks have changed, been taken back, etc. 
we need text. You know, we need text. I think we can talk a little bit. There's flexibility around process, but we need confirmed text. Uh, she went on to say that uh, she could not give her support to something that was done on the back of an envelope. A uh, little back of the napkin math was not going to cut it for her. She wanted to see the text. So, of course, yesterday, uh, later in the afternoon, House Speaker Nancy Pelosi announced that some of the text of the framework uh, was ready to be reviewed. We're on a path to get this done. But for those who said, I want to see text, the text is there for you to review, for you to complain about, for you to add to, for subtract from, whatever it is. And we'll see what consensus uh, emerges from that, but we're really very much on a path. So that's where we are. We have the the the, the BIF. We have the hearing today. We have the text out there. Uh, we're on a path to get this all done. So the text that Speaker Pelosi referred to uh, is kind of somewhere in between a bill and a framework. So framework, pretty broad strokes. Uh, I think they've released about 1,500 pages, uh, and this is mostly, uh, this kind of reminds me of uh, my sons doing uh, their homework assignment, uh, a lot of cut and paste going on. So there was a lot of cutting and pasting from previous frameworks or previous bills uh, from coming over from the Senate to the House. And so they took a lot of that and put it into this new framework and posted that. So there are about 1,500 pages uh, my guess is there will probably be an additional thousand uh, pages added uh, before the bill is a bill and no longer just a framework. Uh, interesting, though, uh, Bernie Sanders was very critical of the framework, uh, even with the 1,500 pages, saying it was missing a lot of the things that progressives wanted. It is a major, major step forward. Uh, but clearly, to my mind, it has some major gaps in it. At the end of the day, uh, the progressive wing of the Democratic Party, they did endorse the framework. Uh, so here's Representative Jayapal confirming that they do indeed support the framework uh, for this social safety net bill. But even without these things, the progressive caucus endorsed the framework that was put forward. And I think that is a really significant achievement for the president to go and say he was able to get everybody on board for this framework. He believes it can pass in the Senate. It will pass in the House. We just need to now look at the text, which also significant achievement came out today. We are looking at that text. We will go through it. We will make sure that, again, uh, that we are all together. And then we will vote those two bills together, and the president will be able to have uh, the victory that he deserves for being uh, a negotiator in chief. All right. Uh, so a, a lot of communication coming out, uh, a lot of it conflicting. That's the, I think the biggest challenge that the president and the White House have right now is that there's just so many conflicting messages that have come out that I think the American people have just said, uh, call me when you're ready, <laughs> because clearly this was not ready for prime time. And uh, and actually, maybe it, it fits in with this. Uh, the theme for this segment of the show is that the uh, the uh, revolution <laughs> will be improvised. Uh, and so there is a lot of improv going on as it relates to the administration. One of the interesting things that I've seen and heard and what my sources in Washington are saying is that the narrative is really starting to shift. And the the White House uh, is really focused on what's in the bill, not what has been taken out of the bill. And in, in a little bit of irony, uh, you actually have both Democrats and Republicans saying the same thing. So you have Democrats saying, 
Well, even despite everything that we've t- taken out of this, this is still this is still the largest social spending package since the New Deal. And so they're they're trying to get the progressive wing of the Democratic Party to say, yeah, we didn't we didn't get the three point five or the five point two trillion, but still this is the biggest thing ever. And trying to celebrate that and to focus on that. Meanwhile, the Republicans are saying the exact same thing. They're saying this is the biggest spending in this country since the New Deal uh, in a critical way. So for once, we have we have found something that both Republicans and Democrats do agree on as it relates to these bills. Uh, and it is that this is a lot of money, more than we've spent since the New Deal. We're going to continue to break this down. Stay with us. Coming up at 2.05, Senator Tim Scott from South Carolina is going to join us live on the line. Stay with us. Much more to come right here on KSL News Radio. A stranger with a gun came upon two teens taking pictures under a rising full moon. But violence is only the beginning of this story. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are. And this is a big one. I'm Amy Donaldson, and I've spent my career talking about how lives are undone by violence. The Letter is a podcast about how lives are remade. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts.